0: VN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We have made it to another Friday and the markets are probably thinking the same thing at this point. Another interesting week in the trade, kind of wrapping it up with a WASDI report. We know we've got some Fed meetings next week, but a lot of outside market factors from other countries growing grains that are having an effect on our trade as well. We're going to take a look at that and a whole lot more today as Sean Hackett joins us. He's with Hackett Financial Advisors. So let's talk about this WASDI report. You and I were kind of sending some text text messages back and forth uh, with some weather puns going along with this Wazdi report. And definitely uh, not a freeze out by any means, but not a lot of excitement either.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are right in the range of what, what most everyone was kind of thinking. And, you know, the USDA didn't really make much change to the South American crops either either up or down. They just, they just tend to kick the can down the road in December. And then we come back in the January, and then they just start, you know, Shifting gears and starting to make some some decisions and some moves again. So this December report lived up to its typical uh, uh, historical analog, which is it just didn't provide much new that the market didn't already know. And so now we're, we're going right back to focusing on things like Federal
0: Reserve and weather determine price action into the end of the year well let's, so. start, let's start talking about that federal reserve since december's washi report wasn't a lot of excitement there's a lot of positioning and already a lot of discussion about what might come of this meeting next week
1: yeah I mean, it's widely expected that the move will be 50 basis points instead of 75 um, the federal reserve governors have made a lot of claims of out there that that's what's going to be and, and so that would be expected but what's most important what are they really thinking about? How much more are they really thinking they need to go up in rates? When will they stop? When will they lower? You know, so that's really, the the timeline of when they are complete has a lot to do with when positioning in markets begins to change from uh, tightening to going back the other way. Because, you know, the presidential election, believe it or not, it's 2024. And we know throughout history, the U.S. government, loves to stimulate the economy the year leading into those elections and that means the federal reserve needs to get on board with printing more money and easing interest rates back down so so that's that's coming and timing that correctly has a lot to do with timing when markets might get a little more inflationary again at least from the commodity side of the aisle one of the things susan we really look at because it tends to be a leading indicator for this is gold and silver and if you've been noticing gold and silver, especially silver here, in the last in few weeks, they've really caught a bit all of a sudden. And they tend to move first and really lead the way about when this Fed might start to shift. So I think the fact that that might be happening is saying that we're, you know, we're we might finally be getting to to where we're going to we're the it's on the horizon to when that might happen. So that's something to keep an eye on as we go forward.
0: So in many ways, this—if they bump these rates—come next week, it might be just a flash in the pan because they're already starting to focus on, on this incoming election, which is just crazy to think we're talking presidential election already of twenty-four.
1: Yeah, at some point the market will ignore those final rate increases if it's really believing that the—that you know that, that we're really inevitably look going to go, going the other way. They'll start to anticipate months in advance. So I kind of feel we probably are getting close to that point. Obviously, if they raise 50 basis points next week and the markets take it in stride and don't really uh, get hit really hard, as they have so many times in past meetings, that might be the first sign that we're being the shift to the eventual easing ahead of the presidential election, which should begin to bring some capital back into the commodity markets, which have been lacking here for quite some time.
0: You brought up dry weather, and I know that the, some areas of the Dakotas and Minnesota uh, got some very nice snow here over the last 24 hours. Others received ice. We're starting to get some sort of moisture, but it definitely is not enough to, to get the attention of the market trade.
1: Yeah, and you know, everyone knows you know, snow is great. Uh, you know It, it runs off in the, in the spring, and it never really produces as much benefit. I mean, everything helps, but it's really what, what happens to you when you come out of the thaw. And what kind of early spring rains do you get to really put some soil, some soil moisture in? That's really going to be the key as to what kind of weather pattern we're going to be looking like. All the forecast is for early spring, meaning an early end of the winter and early spring to start, which would be great if we get some timely spring moisture. And obviously, that's something we'll be working on with our models and trying to determine if that's going to happen or not.
0: Definitely a lot of what-ifs that are hanging out with that. What about, what about dry weather to the south? I mean, I know we're dealing with it here in the southern part of the U.S. as well, but into areas of South America.
1: Yeah, Argentina is looking about as bad as they, as, as, as they can look. I mean, if you look back at moisture, uh, we went back and looked at moisture readings going back 30, 40 years. I mean, this is one of the driest uh, growing seasons up to this date that we've seen, period. Um, and I don't see anything changing at the end of the year. The, the USDA kicked the can down the road. It didn't change much with, uh, with Argentine production. But, you know, we get this, we get this weather pattern like this into the end of the year. I'm thinking January, they make some big adjustments downward. And that may be what actually gets the corn market and maybe the grain markets going here a little bit is finally paying attention that even though Brazil still looks good, you can't lose too much Argentine production without ha- having an impact.
0: Do you think we're ignoring it a little bit?
1: We are right now. I just think when you look at the kind of production the U.S. is expecting to see out of Brazil because of the weather's good, you know, that's keeping the market not wanting to jump the gun on Argentina. Um, I think it means it's going to take longer uh, for the Argentine dryness to have an impact. But I, if it c- continues through the end of the end of the year, I do believe we'll react. but it's just be a delayed fashion.
0: All right. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on this Friday. We'll talk a little bit more about what's happening, uh, this good cop, bad cop when it comes to the market trade and how that is going to play out as we start to wrap up 2022. We'll also take a look at the happenings of this livestock market, a look at the dairy industry and a lot more. Stick around. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Borough Radio Network.
1: Hey Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while. Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top yielding corn products had over a nine bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Grain marketing and other store VN.
0: What are some things that are really kind of catching your attention in that right now?
1: From the bad cop side, you know, we had these mandates that were disappointing. Late last week, announced, um, you know, that that we, you know, the, the mandates weren't anywhere near as strong as the market was anticipating, and that took the bean oil market down significantly. It hit the corn market. Doesn't mean that, you know, that demand won't be good. It just means that the mandates, the forced mandates, aren't quite as good and so the market kind of got surprised another bad cop scenario is this on again off again on again off again reopening of china just doesn't seem to be going along as well as many would have liked and that keeps the market feeling that demand from china not only for grains but also for you know energy and that sort of thing you know the market might have gotten a little too optimistic and you know we might have to back down demand or at least to push it out further into 23 before, you know, maybe the springtime before they really come back online and create that hockey stick demand surge that the commodity markets have been wanting to see. So those, those are the few items to us that are, you know, playing the back home, right? you know, keeping prices from you know, wanting to go higher here.
0: Let's take a look over onto the livestock side. And I I just pulled up the Class 3 milk, for example, and and we're seeing some mixed markets for them. We did see an extension opportunity coming up for dairy producers to decide what they're going to do with uh, their local FSA offices. Having said that, what's your feel right now for this dairy market?
1: Well, dairy's been suffering from weak... Local demand because of the economy also we just discussed is China not reopening it's really they've they've not been purchasing international milk powders in this in the fashion that the market was anticipating, and so we've seen these national gdt auctions disappoint price wise and so that's kind of that demand side worry has brought a lot of co- correction into the u s dairy price, the class three price, and I think it might have a little further to go, Susan, into maybe you know, January or so, but I think that's probably your trough, the main period. And I think from there the demand side of the equation starts to improve and that's probably where we see our price low. So I, I guess the bad news is maybe a little further to go, but I guess the good news is I think most of the decline that we've seen from let's say that twenty five dollar area down to nineteen is probably over
0: now. Well that's gonna be good news as, as producers continue to struggle with some higher input costs.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, even if the grain markets or the feed prices come down, it takes a while to work off that higher price feed that you purchased before that cheaper price, you know, kicks into your to your bottom line. And even look at bean meal, this past week, this massive surge in bean meal, as they've been unwinding this bean oil, uh, long and short bean meal spread, you know, that is not good news for dairymen who use a lot of bean meal in their feed rations. So yeah, that's still going to be a sticky point on the cost production side. Um, until we uh, get further on into the spring.
0: On the cattle side, uh, we're looking at, nice to see um, some definitely higher prices, but is our volume a little low?
1: I think that, I think the cattle price is a bit high right now based upon domestic demand, based upon the uh, seasonal pattern of demand backing off after the holidays. Um, I really think, as we said in the dairy commentary, first quarter is gonna be your trough demand for beef. I, and even though the animal feeding units are down and even though the slaughter rates should be down um, in the first quarter, I don't think that's going to be enough to support the cattle price at this upper end of the range. I think we need to come lower in the first quarter before we can start looking optimistically ahead of a supply demand mismatch from the second quarter onward when the animals don't match the demand for the product domestically
0: do you think they're gonna from a cash perspective are they just going to be sitting by the sidelines saying hey we need at least steady money if not higher for these animals
1: i think they're going to try um you know what we're telling our customers is to make sure you're buttoned up for the first quarter but we're pretty excited susan for the second quarter onward we really think that's we could be looking at kind of a 2013-14 style building phase especially if we get some good spring rains and gets that pasture growth going we just really think that's a you want to keep yourself you know more open to the upside of those deferred contracts, but we'd be a little careful in of you know, the first quarter we just wouldn't want our customers to get caught with some unattractive prices if we had this air pocket in demand.
0: earlier we talked a little bit about this uh, web and flow that's coming from China with with their lockdowns, not lockdowns. Is that weighing in on the proteins as well?
1: For sure unquestionably it is you know i mean uh, if 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 we're not getting Remember, most of the people that have been locked down for an extended period of time are the most productive people in China, the ones that consume the most meat proteins. Um, they're the ones that would benefit the most um, if those people get back out, get to work, get to be able to, you know, spend money again. And the longer we delay that, the more it keeps the demand from China down from what it would be or should be.
0: Lots of great stuff today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Our website is H A.
1: H-A. C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on there for people to look at and see if how we look at things in the world and agriculture, um, you know, might be of value to your listeners.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much. Sean Hackett joining us today. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.